All right. Well, I, I, you know what? I'm beginning. I had to contact Streamlabs because that program has really got some data issues. Anyway, welcome to the 50-Minute Rev. I'm Dr. Missy Hood. Glad you joined me this Friday. I hope you guys have had a great week as we get you hopefully going into the weekend. Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, I have to go back and uh, delete the other one. I'll do that after this, actually. But if you tried to join me a while ago, uh, I've just had some problems with Streamlabs. And I'm disappointed, man, because that's a really cool program. But anyhow, I hope you guys are having a great week. I hope you guys are even having greater plans for the weekend. Um, a lot of things uh, happening right now with regard to God prepping his people and getting us ready to come inside. And, and Cynthia, by the way, if uh, you start getting hammered or sensing, just strike it down. Job 36, 32, all the word weapons used against me, keep striking it down. So that's what they're hitting us with. But uh, we're in, we've entered into a place, what I can see right now. If in, and By the way, too, did you guys join my talk with Brett Starling last night? Because we were talking a little bit about where the bride is entering into right now. Did you guys check that out? Um, and that was really interesting to hear what Brett had to say about that. Hey, Silverby. But it was really interesting to see what Brett had to say. Um, he was talking about the Renaissance America and how we're coming back to the nostalgic things that we used to value. The ancient of days. That's what he was saying. And so I thought that was really, really interesting. And Brett and I were streaming in the same stream. And, and, and we haven't talked. We haven't talked at all. And so um, it was just fascinating to see what God's saying through his prophets right now, and especially somebody from another nation looking from the outside in. So if you didn't catch that, go catch that replay. And again, I'm sorry I'm not on StreamYards, but I do have a wonderful background. Happy fall. And I uh, hope you guys are having a great week. So what's God saying to you right now? What's he saying to you right now? And this is what I sense the Lord saying right now for the Davids and the bride. Uh, he's saying, get up, David, stand back up, stand up in raw power. And this is a new level of authority, <clears throat> which means a new level and penalty for disobedience. And I didn't plan on this. This is where the conversation takes us. You'll understand by the end of the conversation today, what God is saying about that, but he, he means it. He told me this just yesterday. I, I was walking around in this clearest day. The Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit. He said, you've just hit a new level. And what's fixing to happen now is I'm fixing to penalize people for putting their mouth on people who have no business or no knowledge about what I've told these vessels to do. So the Lord is very, very serious uh, with regard to the spiritual laws that are operating on this level. Hopefully you're part of the obedient bride. Hopefully you're coming inside. Hopefully you're getting cleaned up. That's what my hope is actually for people. But what God, what God, what is God saying to his people right now? The Lord is saying, I want my people to learn to get back up, to stand back up in the middle of adversity, because you've now entered into a new level for the obedient only to where there are new spiritual laws and new devils activated. You understand that? So you need to find out what new laws are starting to activate in and around you. And if you have been disobedient in past seasons and are trying to push your way through, the only way out is through getting free from you. And so as the Lord says, as I'm taking many through a new pathway of hiddenness while I deal with the enemy, a.k.a. Satan, because my spirit is rising up on many of you in this hour. And as you choose to get free and come out and through, Lord says, I'm going to be dealing with those who try to hinder you. 
or allow the enemy to use them to do so. So that brings me to what witchcraft is actually doing to the body of Christ. And you know, this is, the enemy always overplays his cards. It never fails, but because he's so predictable and it's so predictable of the enemy when they start to lose firepower, um, especially the occult, because I don't know about you, but I'm starting to sense now that the true prophet's words are getting through, the true intercessor's words are getting through, and it's creating a shifting in the nation. And so what the enemy does now is he tries to cause, um, he tries to turn people against people. He tries to get us to implode from the inside out. And that's what he's doing. He's doing in the natural. He's doing it by the spirit. What he does on the seven mountains, on the government mountain especially, is happening in the spirit to the true bride right now. So you can kind of gauge what he's trying to do and how he's trying to hit you with what's happening to 45. And so the best news of all, though, is on the way because the Lord is saying, I'm helping, even though the enemy is using this people to disobey, he's using their weaknesses against the real bride. Lord says, the minute you, my bride, have stepped into the higher level of authority. The Lord says he's not going to be any match for you. He's not even dealing with you. The Lord says he's dealing with me. So I'm like, whoo, wouldn't want to be those people. So for those who continue to walk in the flesh, there'll be higher penalties for disobeying the king in this hour. And that's up to you as to how far you want to take whatever you think you're getting away with. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. It's good to see you guys. Um, I'm having some problems with Streamlabs right now. I'm kind of disappointed because I, I love that program, but you know what? It's not that important. The message is what's important. So, all right, let's get into it. Um, the Lord says, he told me like this, to explain it like this. Do you guys realize what happens when you come into all truth? When you start coming closer to the king? And in some people's arrogance, they think that they're actually close to God. And they're nowhere near him. Matter of fact, they're so full of self-aggrandized thinking and fleshly living that they think that he doesn't matter what they say or what they pray or what they do behind their little computers too. And so the Lord is saying, I've been watching all of you and the penalties are starting to rise against you. The Lord says, judgments now walked into the room. But do you know what happens when you come closer to truth? Or when, when truth comes closer to you, you may think you're close to truth, but truth isn't anywhere near in your room, although he is drawing near now. Because God is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we step closer to God or truth, we're held accountable for what we choose not to do. Because we knew better. And this is why truth even came into the room to begin with or into the nation to begin drawing nearer to those who would be get obedient and get free <clears throat> because judgment came in right behind him. So you understand where we're standing right now, right? You, are you starting to wake up to this reality? Because I'm sensing his presence big time, but this new level is very, very serious for where we've entered in. So this brings us to, Isaiah 1, 1 through 2, 22. Cynthia, can you begin doing what I've asked of you to, please? Thank you. And this is where leaders and sheep are becoming vetted by God. Thank you so much. And I'm in agreement. Um, and it's where Isaiah actually had access to four different kings who were politically minded, 
They were fleshly minded. They were leaders. And, but they had their eyes on everything but him, everything but him. And it's where God began to show all of them how man's government was not equated to God's government. And if you, if you know anything about um, what I was teaching about on Tuesday and talking about on the Rev on Tuesday, talking about kingdom, and even last night, we were talking about kingdom last night. Everything is about kingdom, 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 kingdom. Do we even know what kingdom is? It, when What's your interpretation of it? Is it just you having this pie of sky, pie in the sky type of thinking of, well, you know, if I help someone today, then I'm building kingdom. If I've spoken through uh, love today, then I ha- I'm building kingdom. No, actually, kingdom is a whole lot more than that. Kingdom is built on laws. It's built on, oh gosh, it's built on many, many different components. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick to get it up. Uh, let me see here. It's built on <clears throat> rulers. Pardon me. It's built on uh, subjects understanding time you have to understand time or the duration of a thing it's built on laws it's built on educating yourself how it operates and then it's built on mission having a mission understanding what god's mission is in this endeavor do you understand how god does a thing what's god's end goal in mind and are your goals aligned with him and that's what god is trying to get us to understand <coughs> so Anyway, the Lord says in this hour, the bride is now entering into a time where the kingdom of God is now entering into the earth. Okay. And I can really honestly say I'm, I'm experiencing that in my own life because when I walked in the former glory as a young person, I remember that very distinctly in my life. And maybe to you, that's crazy. But to me, I remember feeling very protected and very like things would just bounce off me like water on a duck's back. And I knew God was very close to me. Although I didn't understand or hadn't heard or been taught about in church because I didn't go. Um, I wasn't raised in church. I listened to Billy Graham on Sunday, but I had learned about the glory and I had a little bit of knowledge about the glory. And so I always felt like my life was kind of golden, if you will. I guess it was if it was in the glory, but it really was because nothing seemed to touch me. And so the enemy began chasing hard after me as a young person, trying to get to my uh, covering, my dad, my spiritual covering. And and which I believe he tried to do with a lot of the Josephs. The enemy tried to start attacking a lot of the Josephs and a lot of our coverings, our protections to get to the double portion. And during that time, I remember distinctly. I was discerning about thinking, you know, I need to be praying for my dad. I need to be praying for my family. And I did a lot of that as a young person, but really starting to become aware of witchcraft, even in that young age, 17, 16, 17 years old and watching the enemy start manifesting around me. And so I started being introduced to kingly things or kingdom things, even back then. And so then I watched as witchcraft started really, really rearing its head and <clears throat> its power in and around my family. And I, we weren't taught about witchcraft in the church back then. You, do you, did you learn about it? I didn't learn about it. Nobody talked about it. Everybody was like, hush, hush, hush. We don't talk about the devil here. Because we weren't having to really deal with it that much. Not everybody. My family was. And 
And I believe it's because we were Joseph's, as are many of you probably interested in watching this today. So now what we're seeing is because the Joseph's have walked through so much testing, if that was you, most of you, I'd, I'd be willing to bet that you've walked through so much fiery testing, even as a young person up to now, <clears throat> which is in the former glory. That was to prepare you actually for the double. Did you ever think about that? To prepare you because you had to know how to operate in a former thing to recognize the latter. And so I, I walked in the former. And therefore, when the latter is showing up now, I knew the keys how to get back in. I don't know how. Well, I do actually because he took me into heaven. But I just recognize it. I, he shows me. He tells me what to do, exactly what to do. And I believe this is part of that lifting you up for such a time as this thing that's going to help us through. So now we see God where he's about to give birth to real raw power like mankind has never seen. And so God is forced to teach leaders the difference. If you're a leader and you consider yourself a leader, you're going to have to learn the difference between your flesh because the flesh, let me just tell you this, the flesh like witchcraft, like the kingdom, whichever you're operating in. And the flesh is considered like witchcraft, by the way, because you're serving the enemy. But what's happening during those moments, each reality is as real as the other. And each, you may think you're okay because you're with yourself 24 hours a day until you start getting a taste of kingdom and you start getting a taste of God's spirit and his power abiding in him, realizing what could be. And then you start seeing heaven's reality. <clears throat> That's how that operates. And so for those of you who are able to step into that truth, that means you're walking, starting to walk in all truth. That means that God has probably delivered you from you. You've gone through deliverance on a few things. Okay, so that's the only way you're going to be able to enter in, by the way. You have to get rid of your flesh. So God is trying to teach us the difference for the disobedient. <clears throat> Many leaders have been stuck in man's perception of leading. <clears throat> and for the obedient, Brenda, can you pray for my voice, please? And um, But for the obedient, we're learning to trust the king for whatever he might be saying and how God is showing how he's going to do a thing. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Man. So I'm going to talk. Doesn't matter. I'm going to still stay here and talk. But God sees the heart conditions of both these people group. One was disobedient. The other one was obedient. And God sees how the dysfunctional watered down church has become. Have you ever thought about that? How watered down the church has become. And a lot of people think about, wait a minute. We're spirit filled. We, we operate in the gifts of God. And <clears throat> to that, I'd have to respond. But are you afraid of offending people? Because if you're afraid of offending people, you've missed the boat. Matter of fact, you probably didn't even step out of the boat for fear that you were going to rock the boat getting out to even walk on the water with God. So if that's you and you're afraid of offending people in all truth, then you're not stepping into the bride. You're not. Because the bride are people that want to go inside. So 
This is how watered down the church has become and its refusal to stand up in all truth because they're afraid of offending, which is the world's ways, which has allowed the dysfunctional church to behave like animals to where they tear each other apart. Because in this thinking, <clears throat> this fear of offending, this fear of confronting the demonic, afraid of talking about how people behave. Hey, look, you know what? You might want to go see the deliverance team because we don't do that here. And we've had to actually address a lot of people in the last 10 years like this. We've had people come in and out of this ministry and people are like, oh my God, they're so strict. No, we're not. We're not strict. We're maintaining a standard. We're standard bearers. What did you expect if you come in to a group of standard bearers? God's told us that. That was his end game from the very beginning. I've got a standard. I want you to maintain it. If they don't want to get free, ask them to leave. Or I will take them out. The Lord says, I'll remove them from this place. And that's happened too, where people leave on their own recourse. But, you know, you can't get mad at people for what you refuse to change. Because your ways aren't God's ways. And so if you are getting offended by the truth, if you're getting offended by uh, these this new, uh, the presence of God coming in and around you, then you're not going to do well with the ancient of days because you're going to be getting judged left and right. So now God is saying, I'm trying to bring my people back to love's truth because the dysfunctional church and my church, my true bride, are worlds apart. And so what we see now is one operating in a governmental type of authority, but it's a fleshly fake one. It's demonic versus a holy one. The bride who's born of God's spirit of truth instead of participating in man's schemes or playing politics and trying to fit in and dance around issues on things. God's not coming in to dance around your issues anymore. He's boldly walking in like he did in the temple with the den of thieves. And he's saying, get out, get out. He's whipping him up one side and down the other. So if truth is getting strong to you, that's because truth on those vessels is, are walking into the room. So God is saying the disobedient church is turning its church into cities like Sodom and Gomorrah, which I thought was strong, but that's what he said. Which is why God wanted us all to come inside to begin with, to learn his ways, to attain new wine so that we could begin to feast with the king to see what he says and sings. But if you've gotten behind in your refusal to get free, then you truly will be experiencing pain because of your own disobedience in the coming days. So God sees the religious activities. He sees people going to church and ticking it off their short list. Oh, I'm sitting in a pew today. Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's good. But it's good by me. I'm good. You're good. We're all good. It's okay if you're manifesting over there. Don't worry about a thing. We'll just disregard you. While it disrupts service, it disrupts the flow. And I'm not saying that it goes on everywhere because I think some leaders wouldn't tolerate it. But even in their quietness, people who just tolerate the uh, dysfunction of other people and thinking, well, we're friends. We've been friends for years. I'm not going to tell you how to live. You're not going to tell me. But no, a true friend sticks closer than a brother or a sister. 
I don't know what kind of friends you have. My friends are very truthful. They always have been. And I purposefully surround myself with truth-filled people. I always have. That's always been the way I've lived my life. And it's because I don't want to hear your attaboys, your girls. I want to hear the truth. I want to hear what God says to you, like Jonathan would have been to David and saying, okay, my dad's after you. Go hide over there. You know, he was a truthful young man. And I'm not bragging on my friends because I've also had some screw-ups as friends, but God quickly removed them out of my life. And he's, he's been really faithful to do that all through my life. People come up and around me, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, but God sees the religious activities and how they defile his people instead of making them clean. Because God sees the dysfunctional as rebellious now. He's seeing you as rebellious. If you're not um, owning your stuff because he's seeing you acting lower than an animal. Sick with sin like the lepers. This is the separation that God said would begin. Hey, Joyce. It's good to see you. It's always good to see you. So in this hour, God's actually trying to make the temple of God, your vessel, i.e. you, a temple of truth for both believers and unbelievers alike. Why? Why would you care? Well, think about this. Because... People need to know the difference. God's separating out the truth from a lie. Because God has very purposefully allowed our nation to become void of most truth. Think about this. Pardon me. Even in all seven mountains to where man is now forced to run to God to find out truth. But what a dichotomy. Think about that. As God is doing the separation. Think about this. Because if God's church isn't even willing to stand up in what God says truth is, and they would rather tell their version so they wouldn't offend, then most people probably won't find God or his truth or true love again. Doesn't that concern you? And here you are sitting there, some people saying, Oh, I'm coming into the ancient of days. I'm coming into his ways. And my butt's sitting in a pew and I'm not doing one bit of changing that God tells me to do. Is that you? You can't just check God off your short list and say, I did church this week. No, he's expecting you actually to come in and let him change you. Participate in a thing or two in the season that he has you in. This is the season to begin. <clears throat> And don't think for two seconds that this is not the plan of the enemy or the occult. I'm telling you to think, people, think strategically. It's time to get cleaned up. Because if you know anything about God, God is coming in with true light. And if you know anything about this passage... <clears throat> Pardon me. If you remember when Judah began borrowing new religious ideas from the Gentile nations, the world, kind of like the churches today, not walking in God's truth. And, and I actually heard this through a prophet, too, when he was talking about watching the music shift. And I remember that, too. Matter of fact, that was a distinct determining factor for me to see the truth between the truth and a lie. 
between how the church was getting out of true worship and getting into the old by and by, but not even really the old by and by. I want to say they switched over to be accepted by the world because they needed to be, uh, they needed to look professional, if you will. They needed to be accepted when God called us to be set apart. So here we are now we're, we're, we've accommodated. Now I have to say this too, before I say that, um, because in all honesty, I do think even back then, God wanted to give the church a facelift in the eyes of men, but he didn't expect us to buy into their philosophy versus his. And I'm not saying God has a philosophy. God is all truth. If you're walking in the way, the truth and the life. So now we're looking back at Judah where they began to buy or borrow religious ideas from the world. And they weren't walking in God's truth. And they had begun to put more faith in material progress. Hello, a.k.a. money. Instead of allowing God to provide for them. They'd grown impatient with him about the waiting. So they decided in their suffering to do it themselves. We're going to do it themselves. Which is a mistake because they created Ishmael's. Gosh. I see so much of this and I never had any idea, you know. Because even way back when, when I was looking at the music stuff and I was thinking to myself, gosh, you know, um, we do need a facelift. The church needs a facelift, although I wasn't really going there all the time. I was listening to Billy Graham. I keep saying that, but you know that. But I still thought that. I, I thought, and I'd run into church people and I'd think, gosh, we're so plain Jane. And so I, I'm appreciative of what what I think the music part or the psalmist and the congregations were trying to do. And I think it did accomplish that. But now I think we've lost our way in that we have accommodated everything that goes on out there now. It's come into the church, which I believe was the, the enemy's, it was his strategy. And so now look at the mess that has to be cleaned up. Look how it's affected. It's not just on the psalmist, by the way. It's not. It's on leadership. It's on leadership because they got caught up in it too which is why I believe God is pulling us out of one man, one woman shows, and he's developing leadership teams. Believe it or not, he is. And he's scaling down churches to where they're coming into being able to manage their sheepfolds to where people get cleaned up. How can you manage 20,000 people and try to get 20,000 people cleaned up? That's impossible because that takes time. And if the anointing is on you and you're like, well, I'll just delegate it out. I'll give it to all my other leadership staff and the home groups or whatever it is that you do. Nobody has the anointing of God like you. So it's impossible. So God is now scaling these things down to where he's trying to help the bride get prepared to come in, to see what he sings, to see what he says about a thing. And if you've gotten behind in your refusal to get free, the Lord says, now is the time to be listening to me. Because the Bible will not be replaced by money or the world's ways in the rebellion. And it will never get you close to Yahweh. This is a time of judgment from the Lord, which can be applied locally or nationally or even worldwide. And so far, what we've seen as the bride are a bunch of stiff-necked, selfish people 
self-focused, vain, giving lip service to love, pretending to know true God or true love from above, and when the only person speaking through them is the father of lies, the one who causes them to sin. It's the demons in their bloodline convincing them that they're okay in their watered-down gospel. Hmm. Okay, I hope you feel better, Joyce. Which is what's actually happened, if you think about this, in America's educational system. Think about this. Think about strategy. Think about strategy. The enemy went in on all seven mountains. He went into our educational system first, and he uh, overtook it, hijacked it, to where he began dumbing down America. He was dumbing us down. Don't offend anybody. Don't say this. And then all of a sudden you have all these stupid pronouns that you have to, who cares? That's so stupid. And you have to try to figure out, you know, not how, how do I not offend somebody? Who cares? God didn't come to bring peace. He came to divide. He didn't care if you're offended. He's separating the truth from a lie. So they attacked the educational mountain. Then they start attacking the church, which I think was all coordinated. They're coming into our government mountain, actually. They come into our arts and entertainment, actually, because then that's a more progressive arena. That was easy to overtake, to be honest with you, as, as well as media. Media was, too, because it's all run by government. So this is their way of controlling you, controlling your thinking, so that the church would lose power. It was strategic. For the hour there. Remember the scripture says in the end times, the enemy is going to try to control laws and time. You know that, right? It's going to be a fight over laws and time. You want to know why it's over time? Laws, laws control people, but time, the enemy's trying to get ahead of God. He's trying to come in ahead of time. The latter glory has not even happened yet. And, and nor has revival yet. We're seeing Snippets of it, <clears throat> but nothing like we're fixing to see. And so the enemy is trying to hijack our people group so that they won't, our Christian, our Christian culture, so that they won't even recognize love or the truth when it walks into the room or become so offended by it that they won't receive him. Is this you? But. This is what we're dealing with right now. This is what we're dealing with to purposefully. This is what the enemy's plan to purposefully cause Christians to miss the truth with the watered down gospel or to begin to fall away. Because in their offense of not seeing God, love and truth, <clears throat> believe it or not, they failed like Israel did. When the donkey came their way. The donkey representing when Jesus rode in and, and they never even recognized him because they were too busy in their sin. So truth bypassed them. This is also representative of man's pride, which the Lord says will be brought low. While God protects his believing remnant, the true bride, because God's looking for truth and true nobility as a ticket for entry, a.k.a. people who operate and maintain, let me stress that, operate and maintain his version, not yours, his character 
and his moral standards. Are you stuck in low life living? I hate to say that. It, it is low life living. It makes people look like low lives. Because people think, wow, who are you? You, you act like... If they're in the world, they're like, you act just like me. So why would I follow you? These leaders, they, they, they act like this and they, they see the ways that people behave and the way that people are allowed to behave. <clears throat> it's time to do some self-checks and to get free, which is an act of love's true humility. And this brings us into 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 18, where it talks about blinded minds equate to cursed lives. Do you ever think about that? You're blinded to truth. And then all of a sudden you start breaking all these spiritual laws and all these cursings manifest around you. Woo! Did nobody, nobody ever tells you these things. The devil will never tell you these things. He loves it when you curse yourself. So we now we have so many people breaking so many spiritual laws because they're putting their mouth on people. And God's like, you better be quiet. Get your mouth off them. You don't know who's who. Because what God did is he raised up the Josephs for this hour. He'd been preparing us for 30 years. We were birthed for this time. He knew this time was going to come. We've known since we were little kids. And if you know anything about Satan, he seeks to blind minds to God's light. He tries to fortify minds against God's truth and seduce minds to God's love. And Paul knew this. It's another, also another reason why God's challenging the bride today to think about what we're thinking about. Why does this matter? Have you ever thought about that? Why does this matter? Think about what you're thinking about. Have you ever heard anybody say that to you? Think about what you're thinking about. Some of my mentors used to say that to me all the time. Missy, think about what you're thinking about. I'm like, what? What is it? Why? And, and because when you think about what you're thinking about, if you don't realize that, you're entering into the highest level of faith. You're entering into God's mind, his way of thinking. That's what C2 is all about. We challenge you to start learning to uh, recognize strange fire versus Holy Ghost fire. Or holy living, God's way of thinking versus the flesh. Just two different lifestyles, two realities that I told you about. One is life and one is death. So it's also another reason, you know, where God starts teaching us about realities. He starts teaching us our reality. Which reality are you walking within? Do you even know? Because remember I told you at the beginning of the conversation, one feels as real as the other. And you don't even know until God shows up when you choose the holy, when you choose to walk in his ways. Because your thoughts give way to action if you perpetuate and continue in them, if they're negative or evil. And if your thoughts are ungodly and you continue to act on them, you start breaking spiritual laws, which activates perpetual states of cursing and believe it or not the enemy wants you to curse yourself as much as you can because you do have the job for him why should he bother with you 
you just taking yourself out of the race. Congratulations. So for spiritual victory during spiritual warfare, you've got to learn God's standards. You're going to have to put your ways down. You're going to have to make yourself do as God does to make it your new normal. <clears throat> it's what do they call it? it? Takes two weeks to make a habit, two weeks to break it. I know that there are things in my walk where God has challenged me. He's like, you know, and if you're seeking the true King's decree, by the way, and, and I've even been challenged with that where God's, I expect God to say one thing and he says another. And I'm like, Whoa, what's that? I'm like, uh, and he said, yeah, that's what I said, Missy. I told, I want you to do this. He tells me a specific thing to do. And I'm like, Oh my God. And it rubs my flesh the wrong way. Totally. But do you really think I'm going to argue with the God of the universe? If I want to keep coming upward because he sees the end from the beginning of a thing of everything. And so if that's the truth, then, and I'm trying to move through my suffering, I'm going to do what he says. And when I do every time, hopefully, hopefully I'm hearing him. Then He's moving me out and through and it works every time like clockwork, like clockwork. And then I get to the end of that thing, the end of that test. And guess what? I get God's best because I listened and I obeyed. Is this you? Because boldness must have balance. It's called humility. Boldness must have balance. And the warfare we're now entering into is through the spirit of God himself, where God is coming and clothing us in raw power. But if he can't trust you, why would he clothe you in this hour? Why? If he can't trust you, you can't keep your mouth off people. You don't know when to shut up. You don't know when to say and only say what he says. You're so busy getting caught up in your flesh and your emotions, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to do that. Who cares? Your flesh has no power. Not for people that are stepping up in Joseph's in this hour. Your flesh has zero power over them. A lot of people are really learning this hard reality right now. This has been a really tough life lesson. But God needs to know he can trust you in order to clothe you in his glory, which is going to help you finish your story. But in the process, we also have to know how to fight his way. And his ways require us to use his tools, which we're sometimes not going to understand. He doesn't care. He's demanding it. No matter of fact, he's commanding. It's a command. It's a command. So the Lord is saying, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on my truth. Because as I bring you deeper into the end times, you're going to begin to see how society and the fake church has misconstrued me, says the Lord. They get offended by me, thinking, how dare you tell me the truth about myself, especially fleshly leaders. When everyone else around them has probably been waiting for years for someone to address the elephant in the room. So in these times, we're going to have to address the demons on people and people through Jesus in us. Meaning you have to allow God to use you. If you're going to be used by him. 
as far as doing things his way. That's what I'm saying. If you want God to use you, if you want God to do you with power, you're going to have to begin to do things his way, which means submission. Because like the Corinthian church, who also got offended with Paul for telling them the truth, people are going to get offended with you. Is this you? So then God shifted over and he started talking about learning to accept the sphere of service that God has given you to quit trying to be everybody else. Quit trying to pretend like, you're. you know, I'll say that like this. I went to a church one time and God blessed this man. And I, but I felt sorry for him. He was actually a preacher, apostle, and he was always trying to be another leader by, and he looked kind of looked like him when he smiled and he would try to smile and have that funny sense of humor. And the whole time I was thinking, you look stupid, you look stupid. And I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but I felt like he was being disingenuous to who God made him to be. And so how many times do you see, and I, and, and it's one thing, don't get me wrong either. It's one thing to admire people because we should respect leaders always it's it's a level of honor and i think i fail to say that enough we need to honor leaders but you can also take this or you can take honor to uh an imbalanced place an imbalanced place where people get so full of themselves that they make you feel like you're crazy with trying to please them or what have you so you see people trying to emulate you know the way they dress or the way they they dye their hair what have you my advice to you everybody today you be you this is the place god is entering us into you be you celebrate the person god made you to be don't try to be me you be you because there's only one you and there's only one me trust me he only made one you it's in the bible go look it up and none of us are ever going to be equipped to do another person's job. You can get a partial impartation of the anointing on their life by sitting underneath them, but you're not going to get maybe after they die their mantle. And I had a mentor tell me that too. I asked, I said, can I get an impartation for your mantle? No, I'm kind of using it right now from your mantle. And I was like, Boop, I'm sorry. It was presumptuous of me. It was very presumptuous. So it makes us look stupid, especially those who use witchcraft ways. And I'm going to get into some really sketchy stuff here that I've been seeing as a prophetess. Um, when we think we're going to use God's word to try to take mantles from other people that you weren't given to manipulate that kind of power. This is the kind of crap I'm seeing from leaders. If this is you, you better repent, man. You better repent. You can't hijack it. You can't take it because it's called fleshly witchcraft to, to the max. And you're going to get judged on this new spiritual level that some are operating at. I can't do what you do, nor can you do what I'm called to do. Because the gifts, the callings, the mantles are all irrevocable. And just because others might try, They'll never have the mantle unless God gives it to you. He keeps that which I've entrusted to him until that day. 
So we might as well get all this stuff straight before we even get into any further conversation, which I think this is amazing to me that I'm even having to have the conversation because most normal people respect those types of boundaries around people's spiritual lives. It's the Jezebels that never respect boundaries that you have to uh, teach them or the Lord, not me. The Lord actually teaches them because they don't keep their mouth off people. <clears throat> but this is how badly Jezebel has infiltrated the church. And these are some of the practices that I'm seeing leaders do today, which are now costing some of their ministries, some their health, because God's judging them and hard. So it's a spirit of religion that's doing this, a spirit of Jezebel demanding its own selfish way where true love never demands its own way. It tries to find out what Yahweh has to say about a thing, and then it tries to plug in with that vessel's gifts so that it might see how God might have that vessel participate. And so the Lord says, in this hour, your gifts are from me. They've always been from me, says the Lord, to flow through you, to use at my pleasure. Your gifts are not your own. Neither is your life. It's bought with a price. But I'm going to be the only one, says the Lord, that gets the glory. And he's going to be the only one who wears it through us, by the way. Means Jesus lives in you, but he's the only one that's wearing the glory. And he lives in you so he can share that with you to enhance your story. So now the Lord's saying, you need to see what side you're on. Because some people in the church have switched sides and it wasn't God's that they chose. And they don't even know. They have no idea they've switched sides and are serving the enemy. Because they've gotten so caught up in fleshly living, they can't even tell the difference anymore. Which brings us to Psalms 52, 1 through 9. And we're talking about the Doags. Doag the spy, <clears throat> the eunuch. Uprooted for Jezebel is this shoe. You know who Doag was? Let me let me enlighten you. Doag was an evil man trying to incur the favor of King Saul by spying on David. But when David learned what Doag had done, he ran to the Lord for help because David knew God was the only one who could deal with his enemies. Have you had the Doags chasing you lately? People that are boastful, deceitful, they're liars. They revel in lies to puff themselves up. They kiss up to leadership. Which is also another term for eunuch or brown noser. <clears throat> Someone who defaces others in order to work themselves up the chain of command. A.K.A. user. Hidden motives. So it's all in the gamut of things when the spirit of Jezebel is operating anywhere. Doag is its eunuch, the Doags, the people that do its dirty work. Because Jezebel will always hide behind the scenes. Ahab's even worse. 
<clears throat> and wherever you have a Jezebel, you're always going to have an Ahab. And Ahab is, is such a coward that it uses the Jezebels actually to be the front man. And if you know anything about Jezebel, they are the front runner for the Antichrist spirit, <laughs> where Elijah is the front runner for Jesus Christ. So Elijah's the bride, Jezebel's the false bride. Woo, it's people stuck in manipulation and control. You better work on that. But you know, let me just give you some examples. Because as a leader, I am always leery of anyone who hasn't taken the time to get to know me. And yet sachets up alongside of me as if they can help me. Especially leaders, other leaders. Without ever considering that God was the one who called me. Therefore, he prepared me. He set mentors around me <clears throat> that I still have today. I've had all my mentors for almost 30 years. So these types of behaviors are actually seen not just in the leadership, but also the sheep. Um, and it's seen as pure arrogance and presumption when anyone thinks they can help without ever praying to God about what he would have them say or do. Because most likely God would tell them, take time and let me show you. Let me show you. And so it has to be, first of all, let me preface this with this, because there are, there are, there are uh, exceptions to that where God will have divine connections where people come in and they're like, God told me, but God had already prepared me for those. Prepare me for those two. But I can discern these things. And so, but this is how healthy relationships usually unfold when people know who is who. And we know who God sends us to. He's already prepared the leader. So think about it. Let's think about this rationally. In your friendship, some of you, in your romantic relationships, because some of you have gotten in bad marriages because of this. You've gotten in bad relationships, bad friendships. You picked the wrong people to hang out with. And it's because your emotions drive you instead of letting the spirit lead you. But do you just run and tell people if you want to be their friend? Think about this. Or if you want to be, if you think that they're somebody you might be interested in, but do you really actually want to people and say, I'm your friend? Look, I'm your friend. I'm going to marry you. And, and God told me I was going to marry you. I've run into those bozos too. It's like, get away from me. You're a weirdo. You're weird. You don't go say stuff like that to people for one. But for two, God would have told me too. I have a choice in the matter too, to be your friend or spouse or what have you. And, and no, he didn't tell me that about you. He didn't. It makes you look just retarded. I'm so sorry. But. There are people out there that actually make up their mind. They make up their own mind. Theirs, i.e. theirs, quote unquote, about what they are going to do in ministries or what they have to offer without ever considering what God told me as a leader or told other leaders about you. And it makes us look stupid. But this is part of the dysfunct, debunked church. It's part of people not understanding honor, not listening to God, not being taught how to listen to God, not getting cleaned up. It's also pride-filled and it's disrespectful. 
And these people are usually rooted up and spewed out by God, the Doags. So in this situation with David, going back to David, in his warfare, dealing with these types, David just focused on the goodness of God, not the badness of men, not the Doags, not the people stuck in their flesh, because David knew God's justice would ultimately prevail. And in God's faithfulness, he did root up Doag. He root, go read it. Because God saw who Doag was. See, God's all about heart conditions. <clears throat> and if you know anything about the names, David and Doag, more people seem to name their sons David than they do Doag. Even in the church. So, you know, if you're not willing to look at your heart condition where the Doag's version of love is to spread lies about others. So God's saying, I'm now in the place now where I'm actually exposing these types to show leaders the truth from a lie. So you can start getting these types away from you. God is adamant about who we allow around ourselves in this hour. Because if your heart is unhealthy, you're going to be drawing them to yourself. Like draws like. So if you're drawing the doags to yourself, chances are you're like them inside. Even as a leader. This leads me to Proverbs 22, 26 through 27. As we wrap it up today. And Lord's saying, be not one of those who give pledges. Or who put up security for debts, meaning you don't put up and pay for other people's debts, like car loans, house notes, stuff like that, unless God tells you to. And if you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken away or from under you? Meaning, why do you sacrifice and throw your pearls before pigs? When people aren't willing to do what they're called to do in Christ, when you have. There's something to be said about that. There's something to be said about that. Anyway, I'm Dr. Missy Hood. I'm glad you joined me today. I do these on Tuesdays and Fridays. And um, we try to get people on their way. We try to get you cleaned up. Um, and, and if you're interested in learning more about us, go check out our website. It's at ezekielswill.org. Uh, but yeah, we're Deliverance Ministry. And we're trying to help the bride by helping you come inside. So I'll leave you with that. And you go have yourself a great Friday. A great weekend, and then we'll look forward to seeing you again on Tuesday. But until then, God bless you guys. Bye-bye.